0: In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Corinthians, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles with you, follow along while I read. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become, and are still, like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as beloved children, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators of me. That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? In previous chapters, Paul had accused the Corinthians of not building up the temple of God because they had not developed spiritual wisdom. This lack of wisdom was causing them to make wrong judgments which were detrimental to the body of Christ. Paul begins this chapter by telling the Corinthians how they should view those who were apostles and all those who taught them. He has reminded them that those who serve Christ are not more important or even equal to their master. But this is not a license to be disrespectful to preachers and teachers, nor does being connected with a particular preacher give us any particular claim to greatness or significance. A steward's worthiness is determined by his faithfulness to his master, and all who teach are judged by their faithfulness, not by their Eloquence or their circumstance or their willingness to do what you want them to do. So, Paul tells his readers to stop judging. This is a familiar refrain that we see throughout the New Testament. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, says, Do not judge. In John chapter 8, starting in verse 15, Jesus said that he himself judges no one. Earlier in this letter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says a spiritual man is judged by no one. And later in this letter, in chapter 5, verse 12, Paul will say we're not allowed to judge outsiders. James chapter 4, verse 12 says, who are you to judge your neighbor? So Christians are not supposed to judge, right? Well, there are a lot of passages that seem to say the opposite. John chapter 7, verse 24 says, don't judge based on appearance, which implies that there's a right way to judge. In the very next chapter of this letter, Paul is going to say that he had already passed judgment on someone. Later in this letter, in chapter 10 and chapter 11, he will tell his readers to judge for themselves. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 12, he says that the saints will judge the world and the angels. Even in this chapter, as Paul says that the Corinthians should not judge him, he's telling them that they've exercised poor judgment. So what is Paul saying here? Are Christians supposed to judge or not? I think it's important for us to note that if you take each of those passages that I referenced, the thing being judged will often be different in different passages. What we typically notice is that when the passage says, do not judge, it's discussing not writing people off, not condemning them when it's not our job to do that. And the passages that deal with passing judgment have to do with actions and behaviors that Christians should decide for themselves whether or not they should participate in. And as Paul says here, that has to be in alignment with the word of God. You can't go beyond what is written. So teachings and behaviors must be judged. In light of God's word, but you can never decide that a person is useless based on the way that you perceive that person's motives or circumstances, basically the way they appear to you. The Corinthians were rejecting Paul's message because they had rejected him and they had rejected him because of the way they saw his circumstances unfolding. He had promised them that he would return, and he hadn't come back yet. He was finding himself beaten up and arrested frequently. These didn't seem to be the results that a good, faithful Christian would experience. And Paul even sarcastically kind of makes his point by saying that God seems to have put apostles on as an exhibit and how to fail miserably because they're poor and imprisoned and having all sorts of difficulties. Well, the people in the churches that they're starting are doing just fine. Paul even seems to say that there are people in the church who are stirring up these divisions, trying to turn people against Paul by saying, just look, he's a criminal. We don't need to be listening to what he says. We should be listening to others. And so Paul says, I will be coming if the Lord wills. And when I do, I'm not going to be concerned nearly as much about what they say as I will, about the power of their actions. Because Paul says the kingdom does not exist in words. Paul let them know that he was not trying to shame them, but he was trying to challenge them. And that should certainly be the goal of any good biblical teaching. Too often Christians feel better about themselves or allow themselves to feel a little superior to others by pointing out the things that others are doing wrong and putting them down and being very harsh with them. But it wasn't Paul's goal to shame them. So he reminds them just to pay attention to the people who are talking. Because we can say all that we want. We may even say true things. They may even sound wise. But if those words are not an outgrowth of a changed life, those people are not qualified to teach or lead a church. I think in American Christianity now, all churches would do well to learn this lesson. There are far too many celebrity pastors with questionable character leading large groups of people because people enjoy the spectacle that is created in these churches. But Paul reminds his Corinthian readers that the purpose of them coming together is not to have someone tell them what they want to hear or provide them with an entertaining service. The purpose of God's people assembling is to be equipped for works of service. And in that service, we find ourselves being transformed as we allow God to shape our hearts and minds in the midst of that serving. Paul reminds us that the faithfulness of a teacher is not determined by his words. Anyone can come up with a sermon that lines up with Scripture. But what's more important is, does that person's life line up with Scripture? Is this someone that I'm willing to imitate, who will help me be more like Christ? Teachers whose lives are faithful to the teachings of Christ should be imitated. And Paul says that's why, ultimately, Christ is our only teacher. And we should only follow those whose lives look like his. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.